Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slesser, and today our guest is former A's catcher Bruce Maxwell, who has an unusual perspective on the protests sweeping the country and Major League Baseball's response to those. He is the first and to date only Major League player to take a knee in protest of police violence against African-Americans. He will join us next on Ace Plus. Bruce, hello. You're talking to us from Mexico. What city are you in right now? What's up, Susan? Uh, I'm in Monclova, Mexico, the home home city of the team I play for here. Ah, that's well. That's great. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the to Mexican baseball and getting started up there again in a minute. But uh, of course, you are somebody who's in the news this week because of all the protests uh, in the country the last week or so, um, and. You know, athletes have been weighing in. You, of course, are the first and to date still the only baseball player who took a knee uh, to protest police violence against African-Americans. Um, you did that a couple of years ago with the A's. And um, since then, uh, your life has been kind of difficult. First of all, what are your thoughts on the, the protests that are going on now and some of the reactions to it? Uh, I commend everybody that has. We, we've now seen 50 all 50 states contain some form of protest march uh, for the for the murder for the outright murder of, of George Floyd, and it, it, I support the movement and the protest and the message. Um, I, I commend our people of all races and colors coming together and and uh, you know showing sharing that message for for equality of humanity in our country. Um, I do not um, I do not condone looting and rioting, but I do understand where it's coming from. You know, people are sick and tired of trying to be peaceful and trying to be cordial and, and trying to be politically correct. And now, now everybody wants to change the narrative um, with the looting and the rioting from the actual message at hand. Um, but I do understand where it's coming from, and I do support the, the protest as a whole, yes. Uh, do you plan to do any protests yourself when you guys get up and running there? Or is it, I mean, the situation in Mexico, uh, I'm assuming like some countries that have had protests about the George Floyd murder uh, have, you know, they've been having protests of their own there. Yeah, I, I've seen that a little bit in my social media platforms. Um, I'm not 100% sure if I'm able um, down here. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm one of two black people on my team as well. So wouldn't really make a whole hell of a lot of difference. I feel like down here, but all of these people now down here know what I stand for, know what I did and, and know who I continue to be to further this movement. Uh, all, not just in America, but all over the country to treat people equally and treat people the same as you would your own family members or yourself. And down here, a big problem in Mexico is the, the inequality of, uh, of women. It's nice. It's, it's basically blacks and minorities and women in America. And down here, it's very largely about, um, the inappropriate and, um, lesser treatment of women down here. So they have a, a big battle for themselves, but, you know, I've had a lot of support down here, uh, just from this last week, um, just from the Mexican people, because I've had, you know, because when they come to America, 
doesn't matter if you're Mexican, Dominican, if you're black, you're all black to the to, to white people. So now you how would you describe the support you got, um, especially in the initially when you first started your protest? And I'm going to remind people, uh, I was there that day at the Coliseum when you decided to take a knee. You were very clear. You're from a military family. You respect the flag. You had your hand over your heart throughout. Uh, you were trying to send a message about police violence, and you were also supporting the NFL players and the NBA players who were protesting at that time. But you were very clear that you, uh, it was not an anti-military uh, thing and that you stand for the flag. Um, and you did that by putting your hand on your heart. What was the initial kind of reaction like to you? What was the support you got? Yeah, correct. I, uh, I, I did it the way I did it for a reason. I mean, I had better, I told people this back then, I had better posture and attentiveness for our national anthem than most people do standing up in the stands. Um I, I had a I had a, a very serious gaze into our flag because it hurt me the fact that I had to do something like that because to show that um, our war our country needed a change and there's a serious problem of equality when we're talking about humanity you know um, I got very little support to be completely honest with you in the grand scheme of things I got support from some um, from some of my uh, retired. Uh, MLB players, African Americans, some current at the time, uh, behind closed doors. Um, obviously I had support from my family. Um, had support from, you know, a couple current and past teammates, um, beyond, hey, you know, we're right here type of support. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the hate and the, and the, <laughs> the negative comments outweighed all the support that I had. So. I, I remember at the time you, you said, you know, part of the reason you did this was you're, you're from an unusual, well, not really that unusual situation, unusual situation, except maybe the circumstances of your you know, military background, but you're uh, from a biracial family and you said you experienced racism kind of on both sides growing up. Is that, is that the case? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Me and my sister. I mean, uh, you know, we always got, we always, uh, received, um, we received flat from both races, honestly, growing up, you know, we weren't white enough to, to be accepted fully in the white people. And we weren't black enough to be in the black community, um, you know, completely. And so we always, you know, we, they were like for me, you know, when I was a kid and when I was growing up, I never wore overly, overly large clothes. I never wore baggy shoes. You know, I didn't. I didn't dress like your where I'm from. I didn't dress like a your typical black person, which you know we wore jerseys and baggy pants and stuff. I didn't I didn't dress like that. That was my dad never allowed it. Um, I had I got when I got older, um, I was getting I was receiving shit from from people because you know I I walked with my shoulders back. I had good posture. I spoke well, and they were like, "Oh man, you ain't black." Like blah blah blah, and then like, "Oh man, you, you know you too white to hang out with the black people," and then vice versa. You know, so me and my sister have battled that all of our lives, you know, but at the end of the day, as we, when, ever since we were kids, my father always told us, no matter, no matter what your hair looks like, no matter how smart you are, no matter how well you dress, in the world that we live in, you're always going to be black. And I didn't understand that when I was a kid until I got older, and then I 100% understood what he was saying. Now, you've seen some of the, the reactions, I'm sure from uh, some MLB players 
this past week during the protests, uh, you know, there have been some people that have spoken out. There's some even been some teams that have uh, spoken out, you know, from saying hashtag Black Lives Matter uh, and, and protesting the George Floyd murder. How, how different is that response from what you got? Is, is there a different level of support? Are you what's your take on some players finally and some former players too, uh, speaking out? Well, outside of outside of the former players that I know, um, you know, the Troy Hawkins, Toy Hunter, uh, Adam Jones, uh, Coco Chris, those are the, that's kind of the circle that I run in. Clearly, my agent Dave Stewart, so him and that I don't I don't really uh, run in a very big circle. Um, ever since I got out of the game of baseball, I've lost contact with a lot of current players still and former players from my time. Um, I haven't seen many many comments uh, personally outside of my guys that I know personally. Um, but I mean, I think some teams that have come out and said things it's good for them, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad they did that. I mean, but in my personal experience, I don't really take too much of it. I mean, just because I, I feel like um, our MLB and, and this is me personally. I mean, you know, knock me if you want, but I think the MLB came out and finally said something because so many people were hounding them for saying something. Um, I mean, the NBA came out, the NHL it came out, like the NFL it came out, like so many teams around them, and they were ultimately the last team to pretty much say something. And I've seen comments on former players and 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 um, and news reporters and stuff like, "Where's the MLB at? Why haven't we heard anything? Like, what's going on? Like this, that, and the other." I mean, we're supposed to be one of the most diverse, you know, one of the most diverse sports in, in, in the world, pretty much, when it comes to representing all levels of brown people, uh, white people, Canadian people, all types of stuff. And so it doesn't shock me that they were one of the last teams to, to sports to say something. It doesn't shock me that people were hounding them uh, about the comments. I mean, because when I, when I did my thing, I said, you know, my team supported me at the time. I said, but I said, yeah, I mean, the MLB didn't really back me. Uh, the, and when I was going through my things, it was like I was by myself. I didn't have anybody to talk to in my, my locker room outside of my teammates, which my teammates don't can't help me do anything, really. I was like, my agent was no help. Uh, the Players Association was no help. I was like, after I got arrested and took a knee, it took them almost till December to contact me that year. And uh, I have, you know, personal self number of our, our president of our, um, of our players association. I mean, so the time and difference now is now everybody is hopping on board. All athletes and all the all people are now supporting, you know, how Kaepernick did his thing. And, and some people are supporting how I did my thing. We did it in a peaceful manner. We had a purpose behind and the purpose is, is now being seen as genuine and a legitimate problem in America. But where was this Where was this three years ago? You know, where was this when Kaepernick lost his career and, and, and received so much hate from these people but still kept it pushing? Where were these people when I took my knee and I had, you know, people in Texas run out on the, run out on the, um, above the dugout after the national anthem and told me that I didn't deserve what I had sacrificed my whole life for. And proven that I deserved because I was a fucking. I was like, where where was this support then? Where was this support when I got pushed out of the MLB 
and they made it seem like it was about me getting arrested when what I got arrested for wasn't even illegal and they couldn't even prove it because it wasn't illegal. Right. I was like, all of these things have come to fruition now and it's put me in a, an emotional bind and, and I want people to hear this because people think I'm just this, this thug. Like I read on some things the other day, people still calling me a thug. People tell me I'm irrelevant. And these are the same people that still support Trump. These are the same people that still say all lives matter. You know, these are, and, and I understand that. And I'm always going to have hate for the rest of my life. But what I'm not going to do is let people try to degrade me for something that I'm not on, on non-factual things. Um, I did my, I paid my dues. I continue to pay my dues every single day. I pay my dues and I had to move to Mexico to pursue my career down here because my own people in my own country hated me so much that these people in a whole nother country that I've never been in have shown the genuine love for me and the genuine respect for me for what I do on the field and what I do off the field. I love my community down here. I love my league down here. I have respect from all cities down here, all coaches, all players, all, all people. And I'm not even, I'm not even a part of this country's nationality. And so it, it sickens me and it, and it, and it bothers me. But at the same time, I mean, that's the country we live in. You know, if anybody tries to do anything peacefully, if they're of color or if the majority doesn't like it, they shun them and they hate them. Like it's, it's amazing to me. It really is. We'll be back with more with Bruce Maxwell in just a few moments. Now, you mentioned your arrest, um, which came after you took a knee. And so it's, it's a little bit complicated, I think, because certainly I think maybe the level of support for some of your, for what you did previously with taking a knee, maybe changed a little in some people's minds. Um, some people obviously were going to have their mindset about, about you no matter what. And I think the arrest amplified that. But how did things change for you after the arrest? I, I know you have felt as if taking a knee impacted your ability to get a job with an MLB team. Um, do you feel like the arrest also affected that? Is that fair? Is it not fair? I mean, I think personally, I think the, my arrest, which wasn't an illegal, it wasn't wasn't an illegal act. Um, all I all I personally did for the people that think they know everything. I answered my door with a gun in my hand because I had no recollection of who was at my front door. I've been receiving death threats for almost a month now, including my family. And when I, where I was living in the state of Arizona, only a few people knew where I live and they all had keys because they were part of my family. Um, I was like, people want to get the, the police report screwed. Um, then that's fine. I was like, I never raised my weapon. I frightened the woman that was at my door because I did have a weapon. I would be frightened as well. As soon as I recognized it was a woman, I apologized to her and I calmly walked back to my, my, uh, my living room and put my gun back in my safe. I came back out. I apologized again. She handed me the food that one of my friends ordered and she went on her way. I was like, moments later, I get a call from the police and I had numerous cops show up in my house and they were pointing rifles at me as I was walking out of my door. Like I had just killed 30 people and they just hid the bodies in my apartment. Um, you know, if people want to talk about 
me being a thug, I said, how about this? I said, how about on record? You know, um, I asked for a, a pair of shoes and a shirt because I was only in gym shorts and every police officer in that arrest denied me my right of shoes and shirt as a human being. Um, you know, and it's just, just it, people think that they know the story because they don't want to read it. You know, people say, oh, he's a woman beater. He threatened to hit this lady over the head or threatened to shoot this lady. I never did any of that. I was like, I was, I never threatened anybody. I said, I was protecting my house. I was like, I didn't do anything illegal, illegal outside of, outside of being intoxicated inside of my own home. I said, I own that. I told everybody that I was intoxicated. I said, but I'm in my own house. You know, I'm in my own house. I said, I defended my own. I was like, I wasn't in a great state of mind due to what was going on at the time. I was like, I was like, but you know, people want to label me a thug for that. They want to, they want to do, you know, um, label me in a, in a negative light because of that. And if that's their choice, then that's their choice. But the same people now are, are trying to now trying to see, you know, the what's going on right now. And they're trying to unify and take back what they did, but they still hate me. Yeah. So and it's, it's amazing. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I remember we, we talked at the time uh, and you didn't want to talk too much about the death threats that you were getting, but they were they were no joke. I think, you, you know, that people were saying, please don't talk too much about it. We don't want to create copycats. We don't want to add to it or uh, anything. But your sister was got a death threat at her place of employment. Is that correct? Yeah, man. They, they don't want to they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to copycat. But here it is, plain and simple. American people threaten myself, threaten my family. One of them, uh, a couple of them, tried to find my sister in Texas and threaten to blow her gym up. I had to put a detail on my sister for a couple of weeks, um, and she was all the way in Texas. Okay, um, they threatened to they threatened to find my mother because they called my mother a lover because she had us kids. Um, I was like, people threatened me by threatening to hang me, threatening to burn my house down, threatened me with you know, I hope you die in a fucking house fire or live with severe third-degree burns, you fucking Like, you name it, I got it. Like, it, it's it's some of the most atrocious things I've ever heard in my life, and I've never, I've never understood how many people can possess so much hatred for a pursuit of equality, and that's what it comes down to. Um, these people had so much hatred in their hearts and in their souls because they thought, instead of looking at the true message and the true problem that I was healing for, they thought it was a, an act on our national anthem. And I, I tell people, I talk to people about this all the time. I was like, if they really want to talk about our national anthem, our national anthem has four verses in it, not two. Okay. Our national anthem has four verses in it, not two. The American people are taught to only sing the first two. Okay. The next two mention slavery and slavery ownership and still in the blood of slavery, all that stuff. I said, not to mention the person who created the anthem. I said, at the time, was in the middle of a very slave-driven time in our country's history. I was like, so if they really want to talk about it, I was like, they don't even really know their history too much. I was like, African Americans and people of color go through more racism in the military, and I know this for a fact because I have family in the military and have had family. I was like, they go through more racist issues in the military than damn near they do in our country as civilians. Um, so if they want to talk about, you know, disrespecting the military, I said the military and the government are disrespecting our people and all uh, that are sacrificing their time and their lives 
to defend the same country that when they come home to, they get treated with the same, if not worse, treatment as being a person of color or being a woman. That's the country we live in. These people hate me for and Kaepernick and Eric Reed and, and all of these people for kneeling for the national anthem for pursuit of, of uh, per, uh, for equality of people of color in our own country. Those are the same people that deny the fact those are the same people that, that, that treat our military of color with the same inequality they're treating us with. But they say we're disrespecting our flag. We're disrespecting our national anthem. We're disrespecting our military. Our people as a whole in this country are just disrespecting our military. And so that's my take on it. And it's, it's, it's sickening. Now, I, I know a lot of people saw the video of your arrest. And, and as you mentioned, you're intoxicated in your own home. You, you exchanged some words with the police, a lot of them um, not, not too flattering toward the police. Has, do you feel like that's affected people's opinions too, um, including maybe major league teams that may or may, may not have considered for you, that, you for jobs? Or do you feel, you know, your performance or anything like that? We've talked about this. You, after that winter, you were unable to really work out as usual because you were kind of going through a lot of emotional stuff uh, with all the threats and then the arrest, uh, and you came in a little overweight. Uh, what what do you ascribe, you know, some of the MLB teams, maybe also the A's letting you go at some point that year to either the arrest, the video, the protest, or just the condition and your performance? I mean, I really, I personally can't speak for, you know, for um, the A's or the MLB by any means, but I know that my relationship with the A's significantly changed after I took a knee. I mean, they did, I will say that they supported me at the time and this, that, and the other. And that off season after I got arrested, they called me. They were like, hey, you know, as long as you come into camp, you know, come into camp with your head on straight and ready to work, you know, you perform, you'll be our guy this year. And I was like, all right. And they had also told me that the previous year after my debut season and um, I came into camp, yeah, I was a little overweight, but I performed. You know, I did my job. I hit, I caught well, I threw well. And, um, and I still got demoted, you know, so, um, you know, that I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to go too far into that because it's not my, it's not my place. I just know that, you know, when that season rolled around, you know, I had very, very minimal, um, potential or I had minimal opportunity to succeed. You know, I was, I was in the big leagues for almost three months that year and I played about, I had about 55 at bats, give or take. And, you know, I had days where I was facing David Price, you know, when they had thrown a righty or two, you know, a couple of days before, you know. And so, um, you know, I, I have a lot of personal feelings on that matter. And, you know, you can imagine what they are. We've had talks before. Um, but, you know, what I said to the cops when I got arrested, every bit of it was true. You know, I had TMZ that, I cut my video to say, you know, fuck the MLB and everything, but they didn't want to show the rest of the video where I was talking to one of my former teammates and he made a smart ass comment to me saying, we already know who you are. Like we know who you are. You're, you're a major league baseball player. I was like, no, fuck the MLB. This is about me as a human being, as a black man in America. I said, they cut that video to make me look bad because that's what TMZ and the media does because you get more viewers on negative content, especially people of color. So, so that made me look out to 
um, maybe look out to be, you know, whatever they want to call me. I said, but nobody wants to see the real, the full video because half of my arrest and the, our cameras, the cameras on the cops are muted, manually muted, mind you. Um, and so they cut that video to make me look out like I was a criminal and I was a bad guy. So I've never had an p- issue with cops in my entire life. I've never done anything illegal. I've gotten two speeding tickets my whole entire life. I was like, I've never done anything to cause problems nor get that rep with police officers. I was like, so yeah, I was intoxicated. I was yelling at them. I was saying some offensive shit. I said, but guess what? I was like, everything I said was fucking true. I was telling them, this is the reason why people, especially people of color, hate fucking cops. They don't tell you what you did wrong. They tell you after the fact, after they've already cuffed you. They don't treat you like a human being. They treat you like a, uh, your quote-unquote thug. I said, and then they want to talk about, oh, they're here to protect and serve. No, they're not. They're here to protect and serve specific people in specific areas. I was like, I was like, I don't, I don't buy that shit for anything. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't care if people hate me because of this podcast, whatever. I have a lot of people in America that still hate me, but this is my truth. Said so people want to know the truth. Here it is. I mean, I, I, I let them have every bit of truth I had left in me and I was loud and I'm a not, I was obnoxious and I will own it. That's what I pleaded to. I have a plea for disorderly conduct, which is exactly the same as if you were drunk outside of a bar and you were pissing on a building. That's what I, that's what I was charged with. And people say I got arrested and used that to say I'm a criminal. When the original exaggerated charge they tried to charge me with couldn't be proven because it did not happen. But nobody wants to let that go. And I'm okay with it. But those same people that can't let that go don't need to be posting Black Lives Matter, don't need to be supporting our movement because those same people are hypocrites and it's bullshit. Yeah. And you you've obviously have uh, served every bit of the plea. And uh, obviously you, you, you can go back and forth between the U.S. and Mexico. Um, so that, mm-hmm. that that chapter is all over for you. Um, it would be nice if, if everyone could let it go. I understand this is a hot button topic, but let's move on a little bit from that because you are playing in Mexico. You, you know, you mentioned how much you're really enjoying it there. Um, Mexico is hoping to get up and running um, for a pretty short season. Uh, when we when we t- chatted yesterday briefly, you'd mentioned 50 games. What what's your understanding of the situation there, and when you might get going? Um, the word that we have is our opening day is August seventh. Uh, I think games and or report is in the middle of July for all teams. Uh, we have a two and a half week, um, two and a half week, almost three week, um, uh, quote unquote spring training kind of thing. Um, but we'll have a, like a 48, 49 game regular season and our playoffs start in October. So that's all I know. I don't really know the format. I don't know how any of that works. I know that parts of our league are not participating. Um, but so, the minute the the games that we're playing are going to be under a lower amount of teams than normal, so I have no idea how that all plays out. But I'm excited to get going. Uh, as you're looking at things in the U.S., you know potentially right now, if you were with a big league team, who knows whether you whether you'd be on a 40 man roster or not. Um, you know, probably given your experience. However, um, you know, the minor league players are obviously in a tough situation. They were uh, getting $400 stipends from some teams, but a lot of teams have just released 
a bunch of minor leaguers. The A's have not released minor leaguers, but they are not paying them their stipend. What's what's your impression on on what's going on here? And and might you and and a lot of other American players be better off playing in foreign countries? You know that South Korea is getting up and running. Japan's hoping to get up and running. Yeah, but what people don't people not in the game of baseball don't understand how hard it is to get overseas and play baseball. I mean, I've had a couple of guys now that play down here that have opportunities to go play over there. But, you know, you can ask Eric Thames. You can ask Adam Jones. Like Adam Jones is, is a veteran big leaguer and just got a job over there, you know, just got a job offer over there. It's, they, don't, they don't really have young, um, unexperienced American players over there, and that's just how it works. They, they have a very limited roster size when it comes to imports for foreigners. And so they pick guys that are, have some, some time under their belt or that are very, very high profile guys. Um, so it's, it's damn near impossible to get over there if you don't have any, if you don't have any big league experience, to be completely honest with you. Right. Um, but, um, but you know, I think the A situation, I mean, this is not a personal feeling thing for me. It's just understanding the fact that the A's can, um, I just saw this the other day. Uh, and and I'm I'm glad they did it, but they just donated a hundred thousand dollars to the Black Life Movement. Um, but at the same time, they can't sit here and you know support their guys who basically we made. They, when I was in the minor leagues, we made below league minimum. I mean, uh, not below league minimum, below minimum wage. Yeah. And you know, and so a lot of these guys in the minor leagues we're talking about don't have big league time. They don't. They weren't high rounders. You know, the high rounders are different because, you know, they got their millions of dollars when they got drafted. And but um, to, to see the a lot of teams, especially when a lot of our owners are billionaires, a lot of the owners in the MLB are billionaires and see them not even uh, give them a little something like we're talking, you know, four hundred dollars a week. Like, you know, that's I mean, that's sixteen hundred dollars a month. You know, it's it's, it's nothing. I mean, it, it really isn't like it's, it's when you're a billionaire, I mean, it, it's just like one of those things, like we're talking, you know, $1,600 a month per player, which is cool and everything, but we're talking about a financial crisis in America right now. And you're, you're talking about guys who are working every day, all day, all year round for $1,200 a month, $1,300 a month. And some of these guys have families. Some of these guys uh, don't have jobs in the off season. Some of these guys still live with their parents or, or whatever it is. Like, so to, to see teams, especially all teams, not give their, their minor leaguers a little something, um, especially the guys not on the 40 man. I think it's, it's disheartening, honestly, as a whole. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, you got David Price out there vowing to pay, um, every minor leaguer in a thousand dollars. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange situation. And they, it, it looks like they, there probably will not be a minor league season, um, except for maybe guys who are like exactly. on a scout squad and sort of playing, you know, to stay ready in Arizona for the big league teams. So, the, hey, the fact that you guys are having a season at all, that that might be to your benefit. Do you still hope to get seen and maybe come back to MLB at some, play, some point? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm here. My job is My job is to take care of my team here, and that's the only thing I'm focused on. Um, I've earned the respect of the city and I've earned the respect of my teammates and my owners and uh, of their family. And I'm from a baseball side. Uh, I plan to vow myself, um, and to worry about today and not tomorrow. Um, if the scouts come down here and see me, then, you know, good, whatever. Um, 
you know, it's not, it's not, I'm, I'm no longer playing uh, to hopefully get back. I'm playing for the team that I'm currently on because my job, these guys rely on me. This ownership relies on me here. This city trusts in me to deliver. And if I'm, if I go about my day every day working to hopefully get seen and hopefully get back to the big leagues, I'll never be able to take care of my team and be the leader that I showed that I was last year down here again this year. So if they want to come out, if they want to come out, then they know who my agent is. They can give them a call. Be glad to see them, especially the scouts that I do know personally. But it's not my worry. It's not my It's not my end goal. My end goal is to bring another championship to the city that I'm currently in. These guys down here saved my life, gave me an opportunity, and, and I, I, I ran with it, and I gave them the best of me, and I plan on doing that year in and year out, regardless if I have scouts in the stands or not. How's your Spanish coming along? Uh, it's actually pretty good. Um, you give me another year or two here, I'll be fluent, and, and uh, you know, I plan on I plan on um, doing some 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 big undisclosed things down here in the next couple years. Um, you know, refurbishing you know baseball and softball fields down here. I'm working on some business plans down here as well, and um, to to work on like a community center or like a small water park or something when my career is officially over to give these people kind of something that, that benefits the whole city and benefits the people of, of Monclova. So that, that sounds like a very worthwhile stuff. Bruce Maxwell, thanks for joining us on Ace Plus. You got a really interesting perspective on, on everything that's going on right now in the country and, and certainly in major league baseball and major league baseball's reaction to all the protests. So very nice talking to you and, and have a very good season down there. Thank you. Susan. Our thanks again to Bruce Maxwell for joining us on A's Plus today. Our producer today was King Kaufman. We'll be back again next week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser, or you can email me at sluser at sfchronicle.com. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. Subscribe.